Folks, and welcome to the Daily Ratings Podcast. It's a show where each week we'll sit down with Vincent Daly to get his thoughts on the latest movies he's been watching, both older films and new releases. And don't worry, there's no spoilers. Vince will give a brief review of the movie, share some thoughts, and of course, then rate the film. The Daily Ratings are always fair, honest, and most importantly, they're consistent. On today's show, Vince will be rating and reviewing... Weird Science, directed by John Hughes, Sideways by Alexander Payne, Creed by Ryan Coogler, Creed 2 by Stephen Cable Jr., and finally, newly released Creed 3, directed by Michael B. Jordan. It's going to be a great show, folks, so stay tuned and enjoy. Vincent Daly, how we doing, buddy? Tommy boy, how's it going? Uh, it's going okay for me. How was your week of movies, man? A uh, week was good, actually. I, I actually really enjoyed this week. Um, also had a little bit of runway with us posting this special, so that's always nice. You yeah. Know? <laughs> <laughs> I have a moment to breathe. I'm uh, definitely excited to hear. I'm glad we hit all three creeds. Yes. I'm kind of excited to hear them when I was putting them on, getting ready for the site. Um, I was kind of starting to get a little interested in what you thought about these. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was interesting going through them because, honestly, for for me, uh, I, I've seen the Rockies. It's not something I'm, like, sh- super nostalgic yeah, over. We're both not, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I like Stallone enough, but for me, it's in, in my brain, it's always been, oh, I, I like Raging Bull. I don't really need to, <laughs> I don't really need right. to like uh, the Rockies. But <laughs> uh, when it comes to Creed, it was um, it was an interesting dive. And I'm definitely happy I watched all three because I really do have opinions on all three. That's so. Yeah, no, I think the three makes sense. Yeah, yeah. First, let's just, we got some homework to do first. Oh. So it was Oscar Sunday. Yeah, the, yeah. Uh, this past uh, this past weekend. So I don't think you had said just before we started. You don't have many notes. Yeah, I, don't I have really many don't. Notes on it. Yeah. Um, I'll start, and then you can finish. Sure. I'm not surprised by any of it. Okay. Uh, I think it's act. It wasn't the worst thing in the mm-hmm. world. I don't mm-hmm. know if was it Michelle Yeoh. Uh, yes. For, I don't know if she deserved that. Sure. I don't think it deserved Best Picture either. I don't really? think really. Okay. I, I so I watched everything everywhere after you did, yep. so I didn't have much commentary on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, really liked it; thought it was one of the best films of the year. Sure, but the best film? No, I mean both for both of us that was uh, yeah, all quiet. Which won some stuff, yeah, and won not international at least, yes. So and not small stuff, film editing, I believe too, yep. right? Yep. Yeah, and won some a couple production others production stuff. Yep, which is nice to see. You know, I don't women talking adapt the screenplay. It's like, of course, okay, sure, <laughs> right. Uh, I'm not surprised at that, yeah. but otherwise, I wasn't upset by anything. I was happy to see Brendan Fraser. Yep. I always forget his name, but the guy, Short Round, the one uh, who won Best Supporting for Ooh, Everything Everywhere. Uh, right, right. And, and a very emotional speech as well. He's phenomenal. Even his yeah. back, as his, his backstage stuff with Brendan Fraser was adorable. <laughs> so I actually, it was not... Apparently they were in a movie too. I didn't know what Or movie. very early on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Very early on. I didn't... Did you watch it? Uh, no, no. I, okay. I mean, I watched... Um, well, actually, let me say this. I, I watched probably first two hours through and then i turned oh, wow. it off and i was just like I, I, two hours is pretty well how long was it three three and a half uh yeah i think it was like 345 or something like that all right so what so. what what is your my my impression was not as bad as other 
whatever years. Yeah. Um, but then again, Kimmel the mo- wasn't too terrible. I, I really don't like Jimmy Kimmel, but you're you know, right, right. Yeah, he wasn't. He wasn't like uh, it was. It wasn't. It wasn't cringy or anything. Yeah, like I, that. I don't feel like it was. It wasn't a great year for film. Yeah. So there wasn't much to like. It's like, all right, yeah, that makes sense. Everything went to everything <laughs> right. everywhere. All right, yeah, that's yeah. not the worst thing. Yeah, uh, my notes are prop to Del Toro for Pinocchio and oh beating my out Pixar. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, uh, anytime that Pixar loses at the Oscars, it's a, it's a good day. Uh, so <laughs> props to Michelle Yeoh. I mean, I, I, I agree. I, I think even, even going back to our year of special, us talking about it, I mean, yeah, I mean, she really wasn't on the radar, but I, she was good, but yeah, not, yeah. but not deserving of it. Yeah. Uh, I, I think those, that was one of those wins where it was like maybe a little overdue just because Michelle Yeoh does have such a tremendous career in, Kung Fu movies and physical performances and whatnot. Know, you, you know? say overdue. Did Cape Blanchett even win one yet? I don't know. I, well, if that's not the case, I actually don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Talk about paying dues. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's pay some dues. Uh, <laughs> and uh, of course, props to our our, our boy, uh, our big boy, Brendan <laughs> Fraser. <laughs> He's so. I'm just like that's who you want to. You want that kind of guy in Hollywood. Yeah. Un- yeah. Unbelievably nice. Everyone has such great things to say about absolutely, him. Absolutely. Um, so some good people won for sure. Yeah, yeah. I think the only thing... I actually... I I think when I might have turned it off was Jamie Lee Curtis's uh, acceptance speech, uh, where she was going on about, like, this is for everyone, and then she goes on to thank the people in her lives. <laughs> it's just like, all right, well, it, the, the Oscar isn't for everyone if... You're saying then, <laughs> like it's it's for you. I didn't watch. Sp- I didn't watch much of it, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Um, I yeah. I I mean, even Brendan Fraser, he was just so overwhelmed. I think yeah. he just had to get out something. <laughs> um, when he was backstage, <laughs> um, the reporter that was with him was just like, I don't know if you knew exactly what you said, and he was just like, No, no. Like he was just <laughs> yeah. totally in a cloud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, I actually really liked uh, Best Supporting Actor. Why can't I, what is his name? Do we, oh, um, so isn't it something key? Yes. Key something? Anyway, him. Yeah. He, oh, I, come, he, no, we got to look it up now. This is too much. His, his, um, his speech I thought was the best. It was just, I don't know. It, he stayed away from topical things and mm-hmm. it was just pure from the heart. Just a, a lot of love, a lot yeah. of joy. And it was like, that was so nice to see. Yeah. I, I, I love that he, he called out his mom. Like, yeah, I mean, it was just great. Super sweet. Like great. the sweetest little guy. Yeah. yeah. Thought I thought I killed enough time for you. <laughs> I know. Well, I had, I had the airplane mode on. Just give me the cast. Just give me the cast. Kihuan Quad. Let me take a, let me take a crack at it. Yeah. Key. Okay, we have <laughs> Kehu Kwan. Ki Ke- Kwan. Kehu Kwan. Ki Kwan. Just say fast. Like, what's your sauce? You gotta say fast. <laughs> uh, anyway, great speech. <laughs> great speech. <laughs> and he was definitely my favorite of the night. Yeah, yeah. Other than that, I mean, I don't know. It, it was, you know, it was the Oscars. We don't really care too much. Uh, exactly. And, that, and that's, you know, even even though... We, we, we talk about it a fair amount. I feel like year after year, my hype for it really dwindles. Yeah, by you the and time. I talk about it. We didn't talk about it at all last year. Sure, sure. Like in between us, it's just like yeah. whatever. Because it yeah. is a joke. And I feel like Women by March, talking wins like, best screenplay. Coda wins last year for best oh, picture. Right, you know exactly. what I mean? It's a joke. What are we doing uh, here? <laughs> right. Uh, I just feel like, I don't know. Um, this is even going back pre podcast. I feel like by March. Uh, the previous years so in the back of my head already yeah. like I kind of don't care if they win or they don't uh, anymore you know what I mean but uh, I, yeah I, I wish All Quiet I mean there weren't many other awards for All Quiet to win other mm-hmm. than Best Picture mm-hmm. as far as like what the movie was 
It deserved to win Best Picture. Sure. Um, I don't know if that's Netflix hate. I don't know if it's just a big oh, deal because sure. minority yeah, yeah. stuff with with All Quiet. Yep. I'm um, not All Quiet. I mean, um, uh, every, everything everywhere. Yep. Yep. But yeah, it, props to Del Toro. You're right about that. Oh, I, I yeah. forgot about that. It was absolutely. Not, it wasn't the biggest competition. Let's be honest. Well, I was actually happy to see Sea Beast was nominated. Um, and put some boots. Uh, yeah, I was happy to see yeah, both yeah. of those. So, <laughs> um, but animation is one of those things. Why? I, I mean, I really, do, I, I love Pixar. Don't get me wrong. I know. I totally know what you mean. But it, it, Pixar is just such a, a given win uh, that uh, I, I like. I like spreading the love a little bit. Yeah, it's like so. if Meryl Streep's nominated. It's like forget about it. <laughs> forget about it. Uh, okay, all right. That's enough. That that's our Oscar wrap up. We suggest you really go to the award show that really matters. Matters, which is the Tom Daly's that we recorded a while back. You don't have to yep. wait three months into the next year. <laughs> yeah, right, for it. right. Uh, okay, so let's start this week. We are continuing our John Hughes, our, our second to last John Hughes film, uh, your film study that you're doing. He is directing this and writing. This is Weird Science. You were kind of excited for this one. <laughs> yeah. uh, we'll see how it, how it kind of held up. A lot of names that we recognize in this. Yeah. Uh, we're in 1985. How was Weird Science? So, yeah, uh, I mean, Weird Science, I feel like... Didn't live up to what I remembered it to be, but still was pretty good. Okay. Uh, and still, I think, an important piece in the Hughes study. Tom, you and I obviously saw our buddy producer Sean over the weekend, and he actually told me he was watching along with the film study, which brought me a lot of genuine joy. So I wanted to, <laughs> even though I put Hughes on kind of the back burner a little bit, yeah, I yeah. wanted to return to this. Uh, so he's paying paying attention. So we're back with John Hughes. He is losing his favorite actress, Molly Ringwald. Uh, you know, she is missing from the production. Uh, he does continue with Anthony Michael Hall, though, in his usual kind of nerd typecasting and, and getting older as well. Uh, something to note with all these films is that it really happens year after year. So you're kind of seeing these these kids grow up mm -hmm. uh, which is kind of interesting and notable for the study you can really feel a big bump in production budget the music is a perfect example of this we evolved from something like where it's in P pretty in pink uh, kind of um, some new wave deep cuts of, of the time to now there are full on bands like Van Halen and Danny Elfman's Oingo Boingo as well I mm. mean this is a, a huge bump in production from all three previous films so story wise it's real simple <laughs> two nerds played by Anthony Michael Hall and uh, Ilian Mitchell Smith they build their own Frankenstein's monster and that monster happens to be a smoking hot supermodel. <laughs> That's basically it. They name her Lisa, and while she starts as uh, their their kind of horny desire as teenage boys, she quickly grows to be a motherly figure, kind of guiding them to grow up as gentlemen. Though it kind of seems like a much raunchier premise, it still has that heart that John Hughes is able to family. Clock in. Yeah, yeah. family friendly, but also. Like you said, he's he can be rated R sometimes. Oh, you have yeah. a lot of language. Yeah, it's, it's, how this film is not rated R is again, insane. You said to that, yeah. me. <laughs> yeah, it is insane to me. Uh, I I, I kind of have uh, some problems with just the, the just the disbelief of this film. The 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 Frankenstein aspect is f used fully, like fully, because there's really nothing to explain the weird science besides a freak lightning storm. <laughs> 
this, you know, really is basically a raunchy Disney Channel movie. Movie. I was really getting Smart House vibes coming out of this. <laughs> kind of coming to mind for some reason. <laughs> I think that totally makes sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's uh, it's the it's definitely it's definitely a cleanup after a party at the end. It's uh, yeah. So and, and obviously, you know. Smart House uh, ripping off, I guess, <laughs> weird science. Uh, Kelly LeBrock is playing Li- Lisa, and uh, she has just complete superpowers over reality around her, from creating cars to changing people's anatomy to, I mean, she, she's really like a, a genie. The, the concept of the Frankenstein's monster really gets lost in the shuffle as it goes from Frankenstein to just all-powerful genie. It's really odd how <laughs> why why they went with this in this film. I mean, Tom, I'm not kidding you. She has control over everything. If I had to place Lisa from Weird Science in a ranking of most powerful. She's like right next to Dr. Manhattan or something. Like, I thought you were going to say Thanos. Yeah, yeah. Well, more than Thanos. More. More with all, all the Infinity Stones. But it's it's nonsensical. It's designed to be nonsensical. Sure, yeah. uh, but, you know, it's something I had to note because I don't know. I, I, I felt like there was um, a lot more care in, in Hughes' other scripts, and this just felt so loosey-goosey to it. So, Like nearly all of these stories, the final destination is a crazy wild high school party, and here that is just supercharged by Lisa's near-omnipotent powers. <laughs> so it gets really crazy, and that's, again, where this production budget is coming into play. This movie has some hysterical tech. Uh, I mean, I'll give it some points for being cute, but I was straight up laughing at the film sometimes. (laughs) I was really laughing at the film. Building Lisa in this program is like beyond nonsense uh, and really wears its 80s-ness on its sleeve. Like no one understands computers to begin with, so they could have gotten away with this. Right. They like, well, the hacking is a joke. The hacking, it looks like something out of 2001 A Space Odyssey. Like he's going into like (laughs) this like trippy mainframe and then... (laughs) Just just ridiculous things. Like, they scan a photo of Albert Einstein to give her her IQ. It's just a photo. It's not like a biography or anything like that. There's no content. I love it. I know. I love photo. it. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a fun time. It's it's also a little bit just like nothing for that reason as well. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Because if Some this 80s charm just... isn't really like working for you, this stuff could just be, yeah, exactly, throw away. Yeah. So. I also have no clue how this movie is PG-13. There is plenty to knock it up to rated R. Uh, most notably, a lot of nudity. You know, there's, there's, there's magazines and everything everything lying around and you just see it all i just really don't understand how the shit flies under the radar uh it's 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 i think it's, it's just because to me. we're in the mid 80s and we're still just kind of getting the rating system down yeah you know what i mean like back like back then there wasn't like for the mpaa there wasn't a description of why it got the rating yeah it yep. was just the rating yeah i don't know the rating process i think started after 62 or something like yep. that it was very, very weird up until I would say the mid to late eighties, sure, and that's when sure. it got formalized. When they dial it in. That's why you look at Jaws rating or something like that, oh, which is good crazy. Point. I mean, Jaws, I think, has a PG. <laughs> I think we brought it up before in the show. <laughs> yeah. So I, I still think we're just in a certain type of thing. I think it also has to do because there's it's kid based. Yeah. It's teenage based. So they just kind of assume it's going to be teenage safe. Yeah. I, exactly right. The MPA quite didn't have their exact regiment. You know what I mean? Like yeah. to, like today, if you're PG-13, okay, you can have two F-words. Right, right. And pretty right. much after that, okay, we know you're in the rated R thing. Mm-hmm. That kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Yeah. It's, you can get away with a lot more back then. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> for real. And this movie is a perfect example of that. Uh, some notable side performances, uh, Bill Paxton yep. and Robert Downey Jr. They're not a duo, but they're both equally great as kind of like bully characters. It's also, I don't know why, it's so surreal for me to see Robert Downey Jr. now in like anything. Uh, I mean, I have um, Chaplin and a few of his other mm-hmm. films on yeah. my list, yeah. uh, you know, floated around somewhere. But man, let me tell you, I, I really cannot separate him from Marvel and, and his whole persona, his whole, you know, jujitsu persona now. And yeah, I, I definitely see him as like, are you saying you see him as two different people, basically? If you yeah, cannot yeah. not see Iron Man when you watch Weird I, Science. Yes, uh, I can't see. I can't unsee uh, Iron Man. That kind of so, makes sense. He's, yeah. And he's young in this, right? Oh, yeah, very young. Because he does in the late 80s, they, they, he does Glory, right? With Cuba Gooding. Uh, I and, think so. Okay, yeah. Yeah. And that yeah, was a, he has that a was string of. Of, of big crinkly. bigger films, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, Before he then gets into the uh, drugs and yeah, everything the like rehab that, and yeah. absolutely, yeah. And, B- and Bill Paxton is a psycho <laughs> in this film, correct? <laughs> yeah, he plays like this weird, like military older brother. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, yeah. great though. I mean, both are just like total assholes, and and, and just it, it really is a, a good bully for the for the film. So, uh, and boy, oh boy, uh, John Hughes, boy, does he love his endings. He loves that razzle dazzle. No spoilers, but I really felt that this was the starting b- blueprint for Ferris Bueller. Just like Ducky from Pretty in Pink, I felt Hughes was dialing in what works more and more. You can see this in simple things like glances to the camera for kind of a little joke or a little bit nod to the audience. Right, yeah. But uh, even how he structures the last 20 minutes uh, around having fun again after the emotional beats, I really feel like Hughes is just more and more, he's just dialing in what works until he gets probably a flawless uh, formula that he'll continue into the 90s with, you know, with Home Alone, Flubber, right, and right. Beethoven, basically. So Yeah, Beethoven, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he does maybe all the so Beethovens, much. too. I, I, yeah. The John Hughes Project uh, it gives me plenty of Easter eggs. I, I keep on looking back just to make sure I'm watching in the right order and whatnot. Yeah. And, yeah. I, I think we can skip the Beethoven, so. <laughs> we talk about Beethoven. No. <laughs> I think we'll cap it with Flubber. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I might not be too hot on any of these films so far, folks, but Hughes knows what he is doing, and it's been wonderful seeing that progress. Um, his formula, his it just knows what is successful, what works, yeah. also what works for a, a younger demographic, which is something that not all directors can say, uh, being out of touch with that. Weird Science is a lot more raunchy and simplistic than anything we've covered so far, but still, uh, I think it could be watch to spot these filmmaking trends uh, and how just iconic but also skillful they are with Hughes behind the camera and and penning the uh, penning the script we're gonna go ahead and give weird science a 54 Ooh, okay 54 yeah not not stellar yeah not electric in any way I guess yeah. really who is this audience? I mean, besides Lisa's electric fabrication powers right. that she can make <laughs> a Ferrari and a Porsche and, <laughs> and alter reality and it's a snappy film. It's an hour and thirty-four. Yeah, I don't it, know. Who, it really who would, wasn't a slog to get through. Let's who would this film be for? Before, you See, know, the thing is, even with like sixteen candles, I could say like it's um, fits into like a super bad formula. I was gonna say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Weird science is just like I don't know. I mean, it's definitely like a party movie, high school party movie. 
I don't know if you really like Kelly LeBrock or, you know, you're really dying to see her in her prime or I don't know. But I know. You just never really hear people are big, uh, yeah, big, big weird science fans. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. So that, that's where I feel like it, it's use case is only in, you know, uh, or it's watch case. It's a use case. It's watch case is really only in studying John Hughes and seeing that progression. Right. Okay, so 85, Weird Science uh, with the 54. We're going to jump ahead to 2004, and I'll tell you what, this film... <laughs> left what, field. Uh, yes, yes and no. Well, it was out of left field of, of why we're doing it. But, yeah, yeah. But actually, it was... So this is actually had been on, on my list, mine and Andrea's really? list. Yes, and then we watched the trailer, and it's just like, it looks good. I don't know about the film quality. It gets kind of good <laughs> reviews, blah, blah, blah. Highly awarded oh nominated for a lot it mm-hmm. i couldn't believe when i was again doing the research on it it's unbelievable how well this movie performed we're yeah. in 2004 this is sideways yeah and i definitely think delve into this a little bit more i, I don't think a lot of our the, the producers and the people listening it might not be really on the radar or ring any yeah. bells yeah honestly even going back to 2004 it's like well where, where the hell is this I, I don't feel like i've heard about this film until last year yeah honestly yeah. yeah so yeah this was a new dive for me as well um you, you don't see me going back to early 2000s too often no less for a comedy from early 2000s uh but sideways is a bit of an anomaly uh alexander payne is the director uh, and i've really never touched anything of his um He's had a long career of films that hit on very creative approach to comedy and drama. Sideways is even further an outlier as it won the Oscar for Best Adapted Screenplay uh, and was nominated for four additional categories, including Best Picture. I know. Best Motion Picture, Best Performance by Support, you know, Best Actor in a Supporting Role, yeah. Actress in a Supporting Role, and uh, Best Achievement in Directing. Yeah. Alexander Payne was, was nominated for. It's unreal. You it, take it, a peek at the, the Metacritic and the Tomatoes, it's 90 plus. So I was kind of going into to this and saying, okay, well, how is this distinguishing itself from any other rom-com? No less rom-coms of the early 2000s, which were, you know, blowing up as much as horror is blowing up now, you know what I mean? Yeah, and, well, right, and not only, it, but it, and it won, like, it was non- nominated for seven Golden Globes. Mm-hmm. Like, it, w- it was not just the Oscar I mean, it was everywhere, Yeah, this film. Yeah. And it did unbelievably well. I think I uh, I believe the budget was sixteen million, and it mm-hmm. and it made about a hundred and ten. Whoa, something that's around a, that. That's like a turnaround. One hundred and six, hundred and ten. Wow, wow. So did very well, yeah. like, super well. <laughs> Giamatti got a big payday. So. But the difficult part is, is when you're stepping into it now, you got the hype behind it. Bingo. You know, bingo. It's two hours and ten minutes. Yeah. And uh, well, why don't you get into it a little bit? And- yeah, I mean, I think that that unfortunately is where I was a little tainted with this one because yeah. it had such a hype. I kind of fell victim to a little bit of overhype for it. Uh, Sideways focuses on a bachelor trip to California wine country. And uh, right off the bat, that premise sounds a little bit lame, <laughs> if you ask me. But that's also kind of the point. It's only a party of two at the, at the start. It's Paul Giamatti and Thomas Hayden Church, um, who I will always know as Sandman. Uh, <laughs> just because he's Sandman. Sandman, you know what I mean? Wait, what movie is it? Spider-Man 3. <laughs> oh, he's Sandman and Spider-Man 3. I barely know Spider-Man 3. Oh, okay, okay. I know Probably him as, as time every time I, when I see Thomas Hayden Church, I just think of Ursula. Because <laughs> I picture him in George of the Jungle. <laughs> That's Because right. he's the bad guy in George of the of Jungle. Of course. How, how could I forget George of the but, Jungle? But, hey, he won, or well, no, he was nominated for supporting actor here, so. <laughs> yeah, right. 
crazy. And oddly enough, not Giamatti, uh, which was uh, which I know. is crazy. I know. Yeah. yeah so when uh, you know they go on this bachelor trip, they're they're kind of playing guys a little bit past their prime. Um, so we see each of them get some romantic interests, and we see them stumble in opposite ways with this. This brings in Sandra O oh and Virginia Madsen in two equally great performances. I really got to give credit to all four of these um, these actors and actresses. It was really a a tight cast, uh, and uh, they all played off each other very nicely, and especially with how demanding this script was, which we'll get into a little bit. But as Giamatti kind of drunkenly flounders his love interest, Church steps into some hot water and really derails the whole trip, and that's basically our setup for Sideways. Okay. So, uh, I can say this much. If you love Giamatti, this is probably required watching, honestly. This, he's so iconic mm-hmm. in this. And, it's one and reason why we want to watch it, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, in, in a really good way um giamatti is is spineless and cowardly in almost an effortless way <laughs> like it really it really comes you know naturally here and depressed to boot in this film a true loser a stick in the mud self-described but earns your attention in the film by a great performance and not saying that's so hard to play a you know down in the dumps guy but giamatti really bakes a lot into the performance mm. here and that's again plays into my surprise that with all of the critical praise here, him being the main lead out of the four. Yeah. How, you know, was it just a lot of competition that year? I have no idea. So, just surprising. Uh, I could imagine someone watching this and getting a little bit annoyed with his character, but again, uh, the nuances that he brings to the performances uh, will win you over by the end. He's also a massive nerd about wine, and like all nerds, are completely clueless in every other social and romantic situation (laughs) around, you know, anything that's not to do with wine or what he's interested in. So I think my favorite quote from him, wait, let me see this here. My favorite quote from him is describing wine as uh, quaffable but not transcendent. <laughs> it's like, what? It's just so, like, doubled over up his own ass yeah. with that. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. I really think a lot of the dialogue in the script works just how I was praising the critic characters from the menu in that. Oh, sure. You know... You don't even have to be into wine. You don't even have to kind of even get what they say. You just know that certain things are so up their own ass. Right, that it's, right. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny for that reason. So, And let me say, as far as kind of a wine enthusiast film goes, it's pretty authentic. Most is just kind of poking fun at a lot of pompous attitudes around, you know, wine country and, you know, things like that. Through this approach, it also achieves a very authentic, very real approach to being about wine. Um, my note here and my thought for the entire film is it's beyond sommelier. Like, it's it's <laughs> beyond being about wine. You know, this is the wine enthusiast film of all time. Basically. I think we should... So, I'm starting to think that we should try to find wine enthusiast films. <laughs> okay. one, of, one of them is Bottle Shock, which oh. is kind of an earlier on Chris Pine. Oh, really? Okay, mm-hmm. okay. And, um, oh my gosh, uh, Professor Snape. Alan Rickman. Yes, uh, he's also in it. Yeah. So, and I, I think I kind of enjoyed that film as well. And I feel like there might be the this 
genre of wine films that might be really good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Psalm is one of my favorite documentaries I've watched oh, in a long time. sure, sure. That's great. Yeah. I think, I don't know. Is that you... the one where it's like the fake wine or something like that? It's the... No, that's it. Uh, another great one, actually. Oh. That's another great documentary of yeah. forgery wine. Yes, that was, yes, That's yes. not Psalm, but yeah. I, I don't know. I think there might be... That's a compilation, you know? Like it... a very mini sub-genre. <laughs> Just like how we say box... Well, it's funny that we're pairing with boxing movies, but yeah. how boxing movies always seem to be kind of good. Oh, or like sure. When, right. when they're around, people like yep, them. Yep, yep. I think we might have something in the wine category too. <laughs> the wine category. Well, this is also in like our secret food movies, uh, Big Night, Pig, um, you know, right. things like that. Absolutely, yeah. No, yeah. And you absolutely would go in there. So, so I had a question. So it's two hours and seven minutes, which surprised me the length. Yeah. Um, because I can only imagine how much dialogue is in this. Yeah. Yeah. How much percentage of what's the percentage of wine, whether it be wine on screen or dialogue <laughs> about wine? Like that's my question. Um. Whew. I mean, probably a, a very good 70%. We're in I mean, yeah, it's, it, it is. See, that makes me happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, not only is that in the setting, but the these romantic interests, they care about wine. They, like, deeply like care about Like, everyone cares about wine, except for maybe Thomas Hayden Church. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Right. He's there for, for other means. Right. Uh, but to, to mainly to have his bachelor party and not be around, you know, wine nerds. Right. It's, it's, it's interesting because... Um, Again, there's times that it's trying to poke fun at, uh, you know, the the techniques of that you have wine tasting, you know, commenting on the notes and uh, putting it up to your ears, some shit like that. Right, you know? right. But at other times it's through this that, again, uh, I feel like there is almost a genuine love letter towards wine that – the writers of the script, uh, Alex Payne, Alexander Payne being one of them, I believe this might have been a novel originally. Um, yes, it was. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but there's there's just an authenticity that is achieved through it that I think it fits both roles as making fun of it, but also being a very good love letter uh, to uh, any type of wine enthusiast. It's interesting. Uh, one area that I didn't see a lot of praise for was actually the soundtrack by Rolf Kent. Mm-hmm. While it at first kind of sounded like this very generic, edgeless, smooth jazz. It actually has a, a a pretty interesting design to incorporate a theme throughout all the songs, you know? Uh, it almost felt like the wobbly drunk of Gian- Giamatti's character uh, <laughs> and, and getting more chaotic towards the end. So it really, it creates a unique experience. Uh, I think for me, this was a perfect example of why in my review process, I've been listening to the soundtracks uh, to isolate those qualities that... Yeah, I think that's um, great. Yeah. I think that's really great. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 you know, in, in the moment, I'm so focused on the dialogue. I'm so focused on, you know, the comedy and the drama of the film. I really wasn't picking up on that in the first time so i was glad to to kind of isolate that because it, it was interesting to see that he's interweaving hmm. these things okay so or these the themes of it i'll say uh, i'm a bit surprised of all the oscar nominations i'm not trying to knock the film but you know it's got great performances i just i did not see the immense praise that it got um i just didn't think it was Oscar material in, in, in a lot of ways, you know, maybe for like something like adapted screenplay, sure. Right, right. Uh, just because, again, this being based off a novel, but um, that's where we go back to the beginning. Uh, possibly in researching this, there was a little, you know, there was a little bit of overhype. You know, I kind of fell victim to the expectation of the film. Again, not knocking it; it's a very good film and a fun, you know, romantic comedy that kind of turns into a drama. Yeah, I just, I just, it didn't connect the dots for me. If that makes sense. Sure. Yeah. 
absolutely. I mean, uh, it just wasn't holding up to the way it was back then, or what, for whatever reason, the praise it was getting. Sure, you know. Sure. I mean, we're watching twenty years later, right? Just right. about. Yeah, I, I feel sideways. Honestly, is a bit Woody Allen-ish. It's uh, it's kind of taking immature concepts like a bachelor party to to hook up. Uh, and pairs them with a highbrow script, uh, in this case, Wine wine Country with aficionados. Uh, folks, I, I think in addition to wine enthusiasts, a wine enthusiast crowd that may enjoy this, if you're craving a bit more of a kind of a melancholy or a highbrow rom-com, I think this is the shot that you want to give it. Uh, and I will be happy to give Payne another watch as a director because he's got plenty to go, and this is the first film that I've ever seen of his. So we're going to go ahead and give Sideways a 73. 73? That's a pretty good score. Oh, yeah. And my biggest thing was, how did the film look? Did it seem like a low-budget kind of indie film for um, 2004 or like ooh. like how was the camera work did it look like it could have been you know what i mean uh, uh, maybe nothing notable beyond just being kind of just a rom-com you know okay. uh not that shot like a tv show but i wasn't really getting a lot of you know creative cinematography okay. or anything like that yeah and alexander payne also did he did election and then about schmidt before yep. this yep man i don't even i don't know if i know really what election is or what it's about yeah yeah Oh, uh, he goes on to do uh, Downsizing. Uh, the, that ah. only, not that I even saw that film, and I, I guess that film gets some flack for some reason, but um, I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see if we return <laughs> to Payne. We'll see. Uh, 73 for Sideways, though. Still, I mean, that's a pretty good score. Yeah. I mean, I know no. what you mean. We're maybe not it's so electric of what it was getting back then. Right. It's not a 96. Uh, it's a right. very good, you know <laughs> right, what I right. mean? Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, you know, I, I feel like uh, maybe a little bit of guilt when I have to kind of knock a movie like that. But I feel like there is some value in measuring that yeah. expectation, yeah. you know? Definitely. Oh, of course. Uh, just how I was kind of a little bit by uh, saying, well, what am I not seeing? And kind of, you know, overdiving into it. You yeah. Know? <laughs> because people are going to be watching it in the here and now. Yeah. And that's our thing. That's exactly. our motto. So, all right. 73 for Sideways. Still a good movie. You yeah. know, we don't want people to get the wrong idea. 73 right, right. is still a good movie. Absolutely. So probably a good watch. And just Absolutely. like you said, if you enjoyed Giamatti, which was a the big selling point for me. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's 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 on the for sure. Yeah, it's on the watch. You ever list. watch? Uh, what, what what's the historical one? Does does he? He's not Patton. He's thirteen uh, years a slave. Or- 12, no, no, 12 no. years of slave? No, no. He does uh, a TV series. Is it? Oh, oh, yes. Adams. Uh, John Adams. John Adams. Is yeah, he yeah. good in that? Do you ever see that? Of course that? he's good in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I watched that somewhat recently. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's, it's, it's relatively good. Okay. It's relatively good. Uh, okay, so moving on. Now we're going to our uh, three films here. We're going to start with back in 2015. This is Creed, uh, belonging into the Rocky kind of world. How do we set this up so many years later? I feel like a lot of people might know about it, but some of these details we have Stallone back, but more as a father, father figure, mentor, mentor figure. Right, exactly, yeah, yeah, trainer. Yeah. So mm-hmm. let's just get into it right away. We'll jump in with the very first Creed back in 2015. What are we getting? What's our setup here for our next three films, too? Sure, sure. So our setup is basically getting Creed into his first fight. You know, that really is the is the objective of the film. You know, with the last Rocky movie coming out in 2006, there's nearly a 10-year gap that gives us our kind of our franchise reboot, essentially. Oh, um, yes. 
Oh, yes. Uh, this is the second out of three films Ryan Coogler partners with Michael B. Jordan over, the first being 2013's Fruitvale Station, and the last being, of course, the first Black Panther. I gotta say, Michael B. Jordan is definitely the highlight across all of these films. Um, he's very good in the role. He clearly is thriving working with Coogler. Mm-hmm. And his physique and physical performance is is phenomenal. He is absolutely ripped in all of these films. Yeah. So much so that like when the stereotypical Rocky trainings uh, sequence comes along. I, I kind of was saying, like, for what reason? He's already what? What, what more can he right. do? He's already, tra- <laughs> he's already trained up. It looks like. Yeah, he's already he's yeah. already cut. So, but there, I, I my praise here is um, something I haven't really talked about in a little bit. Is that it's it, there's an, some some immediate star power on screen when you see him come out in the ring or anything like that. I, I think um, that star power really goes a long way to show why Creed is still going uh, as far as a franchise. Yeah, I think it's important too for this. When you're making a new kind of film franchise within a franchise already, yeah. it's important to really come out of the bag where you have we have that celebrity about it. Yeah. You know, and the fact that you have Stallone kind of taking a second part here, mm-hmm. you want your main guy to be like just yeah. ooze cool confidence. Absolutely. You want him to control the screen. He's got to be a front man. And yeah. He, exactly, yeah. Uh, this story introduces us to Adonis Creed, son of Apollo Creed, a legend in the Rocky franchise and the Rocky universe. And by the nature of this being a series sequel, we're going to have to kind of live in all three of these reviews in a semi, semi big spoiler for Rocky Four specifically, in that. I'll give a half second, folks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't do spoilers. So I'm, I'm new at this. In that uh, Apollo passes away in the ring in, mm-hmm. Apollo, in, in Rocky IV. This leaves some big shoes to fill and also gives us a slew of characters uh, to pick up Adonis and kind of guide him into walking his father's past. As far as characterization, though, I really felt this was a little bit muddy. Creed comes from a rough upbringing yet is afforded to live in total luxury uh, with his mother. Mm. Um, I mean, he really has, like, full mansion, brand new car, job in finance, and, I mean, I'm not saying that those things are, you know, what he wants to do as a character. Clearly, he wants to box. Clearly, he wants to live up to the legend of his father. And clearly, he's also a fighter in his genes. But when he finally turns away from that, the struggle to break into fighting is just him throwing away opportunities and it just feels a little weak uh, as far as stakes for a character it would, why a star- character really needs to succeed why are we caring about this character yeah there's something to the original rockies where he's coming from nothing yes you know there's a lot to be said about that yeah and yeah. it helps it helps formulate a, a character that you want to like be behind kind exactly of. Yeah. exactly now creed starts as kind of a little bit of a misfit he's in like a group home uh, but his mother takes care of him from mm. a very young young age, and again, he's in a literal mansion. So, uh, again, I'm not I'm not trying to knock you know the kind of opportunities to it, but um, I understand his desire to fight. But I feel like the tone and the start of the film are very weak. The stakes for Creed to be pushed into the world of boxing are light. And his drive is only because he sees it as destiny. Obviously, that's a lot of movies going sure. after destiny, yeah. but it just it just wasn't wasn't quite there for me. If that makes sense, mm-hmm, definitely. Stallone, however, has a huge impact on the story uh, because he's goddamn Rocky. Uh, <laughs> he kind of evolves into this mentorship and brings some spikes of drama that are needed to tell a good story, and and covers a bit of those weak spots with stakes with Adonis uh, directly. 
And luckily I can say that this is a good story. Rocky growing from a mentor to a father figure for Creed is very heartwarming and, in my opinion, really stands as a greater closing note than even 2006's Rocky Balboa. Uh, I feel like this has a better concluding arc than even hmm. some of the the soured ending of Rocky Balboa. Some editing notes. Been a while since I talked about editing. Um, <laughs> fighters have their own stat cards kind of populated next to them. Uh, oh, that's uh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. There's there's some freeze frames that that it lets you read the stat card. It's a little busy visually. Right. It's just like you're really like, wait, <laughs> how many knockouts? How many? You know. So it's I, I don't know. I it's a bit sloppy as well with the freeze frame, but I like it. It's, it's cool. kind of a little stylized. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's, it's a little stylized. Yeah. Uh, cinematography and fight choreography, I would say, are pretty standard. Some decent slow mo. It's going to be a while until we see some unique aspect to that cinematography but however there is really something to be said about placing this in the modern world mm-hmm, of boxing mm-hmm. whether it is the many hbo logos uh to modern boxing commentators to michael buffer saying let's get it ready to rumble you know there there's there's a um, uh, a serious effort to bring this into a modern feel and i think that once again kind of separates from rocky if that makes I sense i think so i was just, i was going to ask do you think it's necessary cuz i think it is yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah. otherwise it might as well just be rocky 7 you know what i mean right exactly um, right and and the story being well rocky's now a mentor and he's you know and creed's just another fighter right so yeah. i think uh there's there's some differences visually that need to be that need to happen and so. and speaking of that separation with creed and rocky again i'll, I'll ask percentages of how much are we getting of Michael how much are we getting of Stallone like do we only get Stallone when he's with Michael uh, B. No, Jordan no I, I would say it's 50-50 okay, uh, because so. this is uh, and not in a terrible way but this is really trying to be a nostalgia film for Rocky fans uh, okay. I don't know if the studio well, felt or Kugler as a director felt he had to do that to get people buying in on I, this I, I, you can almost look at it as the bridge film yeah exactly you know, very good passing of the torch then exactly yeah okay one thing I actually really enjoyed was uh, a lot of Philadelphia authenticity yeah. to this. It has some it has some good beats to it. I really enjoyed the shout out to Johnny Brenda's as a, as a venue, uh, especially with how much I've spent time there uh, and immediately recognized it on screen. <laughs> also, the explanation of the of the slang term John was really great as well. Uh, it, it like brought a, a very big smile to my face. So I, I enjoyed a lot of that. When when I come to this film, you know, critical reception once again a little bit of a theme. Uh, of this week is huge. 82 on Meta, 95 on Rotten Tomatoes. I mean, 95. Yeah, I mean, you sure you about know. that? <laughs> you sure? And I'm not sh- quite sure if that is for Rocky nostalgia. I don't know if at the time, 2015, while these reviews are coming out, if people are just elated with how true to Rocky this is, despite being a new franchise, being the bridge for it. I don't so. I don't know what it was. It, it definitely punched when it came out. I mean, yeah. not to you, you know what I mean? But... <laughs> You, you it, it, it was a it was a relatively large deal when it came out. Yeah. And it could have been part hype. It could have been part because it, you know, it maybe it is just a, a pretty decent movie. Yeah. And the fact that we're getting this passing of the torch film, this bridge film, mm-hmm. uh, it, it seems like thing a lot of things were done correctly. Yeah. So I mean, I, I, I thought it was really good. I didn't think it was I, I didn't think it was incredible. I think for me, it just it it just doesn't reach those heights that I think was an expectation that this is not only one of the best films of the Rocky franchise, but maybe, you know, by those ratings, the best Rocky film. And I was just like, I was trying to wrap my head around 
how that could be the case. Right. When a film is so tied down, so chained down to the nostalgia of Rocky, I think it was done well. I don't think it was like in these tasteless Easter eggs or anything like that, but it yeah. really, it, it, it's 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 attached at the hip to Rocky. Uh, it'll take a bit more for Creed's arc to be super compelling for me, and even more for him to fly on his own. We're going to go ahead and give Creed 1 a 70 on the dot. A 70 on the dot, okay. A very good movie, but... Again, uh, maybe expectations were a little bit higher than you know what what I actually. I'm almost surprised that you went in with with large expectations. Yeah, I would go because you and I are not the biggest Rocky. <laughs> True, we just don't care all yeah, too much. Exactly. So I know Creed. Like I, I wasn't someone to be excited about right. Creed or, or it be- becoming its own little mini franchise within the franchise. Right. It just it just wasn't on my radar too much. Yeah. That being said, I know the hype around it and everything like that, and seventy percent still isn't bad. But around this time, is this one we're getting? Was it Warrior? Uh, or what boxing film where that, you love the cinematography? Where like, oh, you love the that's shots? That's in full bloom. Ah, in full bloom. Yes, yes. And I think that's 2019. Okay, or so. so we're kind yeah. of around this era. We're kind of around this yeah, era. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I'll actually mention in full bloom in, in, in one of these reviews, um, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's not two. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, all, all I want out of boxing films is two sides of the same coin good fight choreography, Absolutely. like any action movie. Yep. And an interesting way to film inside the ring where, I'm sorry, I mean, there's only so many ways you can film inside the ring. Yes. So bring something, bring a new voice to, and it's, to it's, how that looks. It's tough when we have had so many great yeah. boxing films. You want to talk about On the Shoulders of Giants. It's almost like if you're going to do something, it's already right. you know, you're pigeonholed of doing it in a way that's probably <laughs> yeah. already been done already. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but regardless, that was Creed with a 70%. Let's see if it goes from here. This is now three years later. This is Creed two. Uh, Ryan Coogler still heavily involved, but not directing. This is now Stephen Capel Jr. directing. Yes, and like I said, Coogler and his brother involved in other ways, producing things okay. like that. Okay, I think they might be on the writing writing team as well. For oh, two. interesting, interesting. Um, yeah, and in fact, the Coogler is he's involved very heavily with three as well. Oh, so wow. he was always in there. I'm sure him and Michael B. Jordan were always in discussions sure. and talks with each other. Sure, Michael B. Jordan is now executive producer here. Yep, like I said, the Cooglers are still producing and all that. I think his wife or something executive produces three. They're, they're all over the place. Their hands are all over the place. So there's definitely a team aspect yeah. there. But again, 2018, uh, Creed II, Stephen Capel Jr. directing, which we don't have too much from. Mm-hmm. How did this fare? How did we come back in this? Yeah, uh, honestly, it's real simple, Tom. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, not as simple as weird science, but still real simple. We continue with the journey of Creed living up to his father's legend. This time, however, ghosts from Rocky's past uh, come to challenge Creed in an even more nostalgia-fueled uh, sequel. Uh, Ivan Drago of Rocky IV, the man who killed Creed's father in the first place, now has a son of his own looking to fight against Creed. I'll be honest, if I had to give an elevator pitch for Creed, that's probably what I would pitch. I don't mind that. Yeah. Yeah, it yeah. sounds good. Uh, but it's really all in the execution. This is a real droll film. This uh, is real um, real slow, very melancholy, very sad. And honestly, if we're going to compare this to 
what it's what it's paying homage to, which is Rocky Four. Right. Rocky Four is not the super sad story that you know earlier Rockies were, uh, where Stallone is really beaten down or anything like that. Rocky Four is like the super eighties affair that has Ivan Drago in it. You know, this is where we get like the winter training sequence and and whatnot, right. and like the Russian lab that he's hooked up to <laughs> as he's. So I I feel like there's just a mismatch. They tried to go for kind of a more of an emotional story. And it just doesn't it just doesn't hit well. This director swap is, I think, part of the reason. Uh, Stephen Cable Jr., um, who doesn't have a huge track record, I think maybe plays into some of this tone. But uh, to your point, Tom, I mean, maybe it's also a lot of what uh, producers uh, were were having their hands in this, uh, and not necessarily in a bad way, but maybe a little bit of a confused tone comes out with this kind of confused result of, uh, of the film. We'll be returning with Cable Jr. Uh, for the newest Transformers movie. God ah. help me. Hey, okay. <laughs> Transformers Beast Wars. You remember Beast Wars? No? no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, we'll return to that. Surprisingly, like I said, the uh, the story drags a lot here, despite more personal stakes than ever. I mean, Creed's going up against, you know, basically the lineage that that you know killed his father and created the ripple effect. Yeah, I love the premise. I really yeah. do. It's yeah. It, it, it's taken in such a slow grinding way. Like I said, if I was to cook up an elevator pitch, this is one hundred percent be it. You know, you just basically just track back the lore of you know what happened to Creed's father, basically. Yeah, if you want, if you want to really jumpstart Michael B. Jordan, mm-hmm. have him take this by the reins. But yep. we're still getting the it, the Rocky fans are going to be happy because we're getting serious Rocky nuggets. Yep, yep. Absolutely. You know, lineages are still around and everything like. that that yep so you would want it to be action you would want it to go yeah i mean just from the get-go yeah if anything be a little bit more cartoonish like rocky four was just be bad at, yeah. yeah yeah instead it, it goes for this very emotional um very personal tone to it which again is not bad but uh, i'll right. get into where i think it's in conflict with it uh, michael b jordan's performance is more reflective and a bit depressed by the pressure caused by this haunting history in drago as an adversary this sh- is shown through a lot more solitary scenes where creed is just kind of processing the borderline surreal challenge of fighting who has you know who was basically responsible for his father's death so there's an interesting tone there but i feel it's to the film's detriment uh it's just pulling teeth the whole time Mm -hmm. i think my issue with the film is that this increased emotion it just kind of wallows in it a little bit too long everyone has issues as a result of drago coming back and it's apparent that these struggles aren't meant to be solved in the ring the somberness feels weak especially since we know and we want the fight to come yeah so when we're dealing with these these trauma issues everyone's got trauma drago's (laughs) got trauma he's got like mommy issues uh it's just like well well clearly the answer maybe isn't fighting this time but it's still a creed movie it's still a rocky movie so we have to fit into the mold and that's why i feel like it's not that I, I, I don't like sad movies. I, I just feel like the, the somber tone was just a mismatch for what ultimately has to be the conclusion or what ultimately has to be the final act of any of these yeah. films, which is a title match. Yeah, or, or pick and choose where you have those moments. Yeah. I mean, obviously, because Stallone is all over this film again. Yeah. So if there's going to be sad moments, I'm, I'm fine with that, but you can't have it carry through. So exactly. it's two hours and ten minutes, and it's almost like... 
even literally take like, take like a Top Gun Maverick. Yep. Where okay, we'll have our Iceman moment mm. where we actually see Tom yep. Cruise get emotional, but yep. it like come and goes, boom, you're gone. You know yep. what I mean? Absolutely. And it it it, it, it hits. It's it, it's effective, mm-hmm. but then we have what the people want exactly. for the most for the most of the film. Scene. Yeah. The well, beach. Well, I was gonna scene. say the good action. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, you don't want yeah. to see two hours and ten minutes of sad or morosing or You're that's right. the right word. Yeah, exactly. So um, yeah, I'll, I'll give credit to Michael B. Jordan's acting here, uh, also showing vulnerability in this role. Not something that I can really assume, uh, especially with this being so macho mm-hmm. uh, coming off of a Rocky franchise. But uh, but honestly, it just ties us down to even more nostalgia bake for the Rocky franchise and whereby the second film Creed needs to spread his own wings. Yeah. He, this needs to be his franchise almost to the point that Rocky really needs to take a back seat even by the second one. I, I think this this is where if we're going to see Stallone yep. it should only be on screen Yep. supporting mm-hmm. Michael B. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That's where I would almost admit, you know, though I would have the same exact feelings that this would be the almost a perfect sequel to come up with mm-hmm. as far as a writer's room. Uh, I would say my assumption and, and the assumption here is wrong because in execution, it just it links us, it chains us down to more Rocky, more Rocky lore, more Rocky history where it's got to be his own show. It's got to be Creed. Yeah, it's called it's, Creed. It, it's, it's really like plot mathematics. Yeah. It's kind of. Yeah. We're approaching this a little bit, but <laughs> right. it, it, it needs to be. I mean, this is technically what film six uh, in the, this franchise and everything. Oh, like that? this would be film eight because uh, six Rockies. Creed, oh, that's Creed, right. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Oh my god. I know. <laughs> well, well, Rocky Balboa doesn't help. You know, it's technically you know, right. uh, yeah. Uh, but <laughs> but uh, I, I totally get. I think you summed it up perfect, which is he needs to spread his wings. Yeah, he yeah. needs to. He needs to. Uh, I also think uh, as a sequel, it's a lot of been there, done that, uh, especially in fight choreography and presentation of fighting in the ring. Nothing new really excites me here, and most of the fights felt like they were. Going just through the motions, not bad, but bland. I think this is perfectly shown in Drago's son, which uh, could have been such a bombastic character in his father's legacy, but instead they throw more trauma his way. Again, he has like these mommy issues. Mm-hmm. It's like, all yeah. right. <laughs> and, and, and as a result, loses some of that cartoonish simplicity that was what was so great about Drago in the first place. Drago wasn't good because he had emotional death. It was because he was a Russian robot, basically. Right, right. Uh, and an unstoppable one in the ring. The the execution here is in conflict or maybe even forgetting what type of movie Rocky IV really was, you know, late in the right. saga of Rocky, <laughs> you know, kind of pulling some strings. I was surprised with how little this film improves upon, though, uh, and, and how electric the premise sounds but isn't. Believe it or not, I, I feel very similar to how I felt about Black Panther 2 here, not even just connecting that to Coogler uh, directing. It's not that I dislike the sad tone. I, I love sad and miserable movies. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, believe me. You know. And boxing can sometimes be those. Yeah, absolutely. There's something around That's boxing. That's why I like I mean, Raging Bull. You know, it's a very miserable film. <laughs> Raging Bull? I mean, uh, um, What's the one with Clint Eastwood and Oh, uh, Million Dollar Baby. Really not the happiest oh, yeah. story there? Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> but so I, I, I really like when movies are sad, you know. Believe me, my default is you know, kill my characters, you know. Um, right, don't villain. give me the bow on top. Give me the villain. Right, right. <laughs> I want it all bad. <laughs> but I, I just feel that... 
that emphasis. I just feel that the somber tone is too shallow for the blockbuster shell of the film. And that is driven home when the ending morphs into what the franchise needs it to be, regardless of what the momentum of the story was. We're going to go ahead and give Creed 2 a 51. Okay, 51. Definitely yeah. taking a drop off here. Definitely taking a drop. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> What, what's right. we should get a Tommy Two Two Tommy Two Shoes predict? A I'm not running I'm not, bet. I'm maybe. not too. <laughs> well, I'm not too surprised by this. I'm not, yeah. I'm not too surprised okay. by this. Yeah, okay. it it's almost like it could be the awkward middle child too. Yeah, it, you know, in this trilogy that we're kind of getting this Creed mm-hmm. trilogy. So before we get into it more, yep. Uh, we'll, we'll just take a break here to, to remind people, hey, we're going off the value for value model. Are you finding the podcast valuable? Are you checking out the website lately that's growing and growing? If you could, go to the dailyratings.com, you go to the donations tab, and you go ahead and give us back some value with monetary support. Any amount that you want, whether it's our set donations or our, our subscriptions, mm-hmm. or it's a number that you want to pick. You go ahead, send that in our way, you write it in a note. And then, uh, and then we'll read it here, whether it's a question, comment, whatever. Critique. And we're here to uh, have a th- that open dialogue with you, kind of. It's a yeah. great way to do it. So, again, so dailyratings.com, go to the donations tab, and, uh, you know, show us what value you're getting from the show. And even just with writing in, um, like I said, there was such, there was such genuine joy to, to hear that producer Sean was... <laughs> You know, watching along, you know, like a book club, basically. That's that's kind of what I want. Yeah, a lot it would of these be great to get some be. perspective on those big. We got some uh, Rocky fans out there. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like we, we are, especially for being in the Philly area. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? Yeah, we're definitely in a little bit of an outlier. I would yeah, say, yeah, without having extreme love for these films. Yeah, but yeah, absolutely. And by the way, folks, at the bottom of the website. We have our little – there's a little newsletter section that you can sign up for a newsletter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Put your name in. Put your email address in. In a few weeks, we're going to be having a weekly newsletter that comes out. Yep. And I, I subscribe to newsletters. I subscribe to a lot of newsletters that I don't ever touch. <laughs> I understand how miserable – or not, not miserable. I understand how – Pointless and useless they can be. Sure. I understand how most newsletters jobs are to get money or clicks out of you. I understand that they're just trying to sell you stuff within the newsletter. This is not this. What we're going to do is we'll give you some major news of the week as far as film industry news. We'll give you the latest box office stuff, kind of the top five films and everything like that. How are the latest films doing? And then we also have some other fun things in there. We Mm -hmm. have some random stuff. Um, some other just kind of fun, weird little film things that you might want to check out. And these are just stories that I kind of come across or see and I think you all would enjoy. Yep. We wanted to come out on Mondays, and it's kind of would be a great way to start your Monday morning. Yeah. If you're someone who's on the phone when you're going to the bathroom every Monday morning, <laughs> it might give you a smile. It might yeah. put a smirk on your face. But we, get, you, get you excited for the podcast episode this week. Yeah, and, we'll, uh, we'll do yeah. what we did last year and everything like that. Like what podcast did we do this week of last yep. year? Yep. So it, it's not all repurposed content which is nice. It's, it's, yeah. it's new stuff, it's stories, and it's fun stuff that you might just want to check out. So that's going to be coming out in about three weeks. Again, if you just want to get signed up for it now, it's at the bottom of the website of any page. And you can just put in your name. We don't ask for all your information. You're not going to get random emails from us. Mm. You're not going to get yep. random ads. We're also not... The one thing I noticed about these newsletter stuff, it's just like, man, people are such assholes with their newsletters. <laughs> really? Yeah. Or, what, like manipulative well, or? Manip- oh, absolutely manipulative. And even just to get you to sign up, yeah. they have the thing where like if it tracks your mouse. So if your mouse goes towards the back button or mm-hmm. to exit something out, mm-hmm. that's when the people's, hey, sign up for a newsletter comes up. Yep, yep. Like that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's yeah. just like, yeah, get away from me. Yeah, it, yeah. We put it at the bottom of the website. If you're interested, check it out. You're but inter- yeah, exactly. Vin and I have been going through some mock-ups mm-hmm. and it's a 
good we think it's a good product yeah again yeah. we're slowly trying to add value to this and yeah. it's it's a lot of work for just two guys mm-hmm. um so if you are getting value we, we appreciate the send back but it's just going to be something we're going to be adding we think it's going to put some smiles on your guys faces. exactly and a different approach to it just how like you know uh, value for value as a as a process with us uh, working with you producers and right. listeners is different than like a patreon we we don't want the status quo as far as uh, with with anything that we do website newsletter really anything that we right. touch right yeah no so absolutely bringing kind of a unique perspective to it so anyway yeah so you can sign up for that i'll 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 let you know again in the weeks to come here like i said maybe, we're hoping maybe 3 weeks or something like that mm-hmm. a month it's going to be that weekly thing coming to you on mondays but anyway regardless moving on this is 2013 so we took a 5 year gap from the Creed movies. This is Creed 3. 2023. What did I say? 2013. <laughs> 2020, 2023. Uh, it's an hour and 56. It's our shortest Creed movie. Michael B. Jordan now directing. Yeah. Uh, but the Kuglers now writing. Oh. And as well as producing. Wow. So you have Keenan Kugler and then you have uh, Ryan Kugler. Yep. Yep. Writing it, producing it. Again, there's there's like Kinsey or Kizzy Kugler oh, also executive producing interesting. it. Interesting. Well, clearly, uh, Michael B. Jordan is being inspired by his his friend, probably, at this point. Yeah, I would say. Uh, it, to enter into directing. Yes. Um, and, yeah. and although Stallone really isn't anywhere to be seen on this film, right. he's, he's producing it as well. That makes so sense. Yeah. It's a baby. All right, Vince. So, so Creed three. How did we like it? What did you think? Uh, I actually liked this movie a lot. Uh, I think uh, Michael B. Jordan is a breath of fresh air when it is... When it comes to the tone of this film, how this is filmed, how uh, the, the story unfolds, I think it, Michael B. Jordan alone directing uh, might be reason enough to check this out. So uh, a big surprise because okay. I saw uh, that and I said, oh, he's he's basically just doing what Sly Stallone did. He's going to go in and directing his own films. I don't know if that's exactly a recipe for success, you know, when there's uh, someone directing and acting in it. You right. Know? I'm already very surprised. Oh, at yeah. Your reaction here. Believe me, I, I was yeah. surprised. <laughs> Coming off of two, I thought this was going to be another, like, you know, somber, especially in, like, a oh, the wake of Top Gun Maverick or whatnot. Sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, oddly enough, Sly Stone is missing from this production uh, without there being any story explanation of his absence. I got to say, though, folks, it is a great thing because Creed is fun. Finally, able to spread his own wings in his own film, free of the nostalgia baggage, and I really think, in combination with a little bit of a fresh air, with the tone and the style, and kind of a, um, I don't know, I don't want to say youthful or anything like that, but there's there's a there's a fresh, new energy, there's yeah, new energy, there's new yeah. energy here. It's not just uh, guess what, we're the Rocky film. It, it feels on its own. Finally, hey, maybe that's just a byproduct of Michael B. Jordan, you know. It's his film. He's the main character. He made. <laughs> yeah, maybe he's able to kind of bring a, a different approach to and it. And if just we're gonna, if, hey, who knows? Are we gonna have six creeds? Then it makes sense yeah, that we might have a, yeah. a, a two movie to- passing of the torch. Yeah, I think there was one interview that Stallone had where he was asked, like, "You gonna be in it? You gonna be in it?" He's just mm. like, "Oh, I don't think I'm gonna." I don't know. If, I don't know if things behind the scenes were mm. a little rocky. Oh, we- <laughs> <laughs> you did legitimately. Le- legitimately. Legit- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm almost upset with myself. I saw his eyes roll back into. <laughs> the solars <laughs> out to outer space <laughs> terrible terrible very lackluster very lackluster <laughs> but anyway I think there might have been some behind the scenes stuff that was going yeah. on or some tension a little bit it's why I was kind of surprised that Stallone was still in as a main producer sure I don't know the full backstory on it but that's good that he was left alone here for Creed yeah. 3 uh, and, and maybe it's a little bit of anomaly because there's like 
I mean, I, I, I could have missed it, but I don't think there was a single even line of dialogue be like, hey, where's Rocky? You know? Um, was Rocky mentioned? Because we're still dealing with some nugget. No, no, not really. Not at all. And again, a good thing. Not bad. You know, get it, kick him, kick him out. <laughs> <laughs> so this story tells the relative blind spot in Creed's upbringing, specifically during those kind of group home days before his, his mother takes him in and bringing in a childhood friend, uh, named Damian Anderson that gets caught up in the law and basically goes a separate path. The setup here is a little odd uh, for the timeline. I'm not going to really stress over it too much, but the timeline in this blind spot is a little bit odd. Again, at, at the point that they're covering in Creed's life, he's in a mansion with his mother yeah. on Papa Creed's dime. So I just don't think the timeline matches up a little bit too much with the drama, but just, just a side note, I'm not going to nitpick it too much. We jump way forward in Creed's life for the plot and to the point that he has hung up the gloves, actually, and is now in more of a kind of a coach-producer type of role, kind of similar to... To Michael B. Jordan as yeah, well, yep. uh, echoes it. And it's only when Dame returns does this blind spot get illuminated for everyone around him to Creed's dismay. Creed really wants to keep things under wraps, and there's a lot of secrets to this film. I feel like that's another important ingredient to keep us interested. The cards aren't all on the table. Uh, not, I'm not going to try to gonna try not to rip into Creed 2 as much as possible, but I think, again, another problem with that is just like the drama is laid out so so clear cut. There's nothing to piece together. There's no, you know, what I mean, there's no sure, yeah, absolutely uh, work for us to do. You know, kind of piecing the story together. So, I have to say, I really enjoyed Jordan's directing here. I thought he did a great job, and like I said, a hmm. breath of fresh air for the series. Most notably is cinematography, and it is great, especially within the ring. There is a very creative tracking to fighters uh, inside the boxing ring, and um, the camera almost has like a bob or a bounce to the springboard of the ring itself of the boxing ring i really really loved it i really uh, i thought it was such a creative look to the film i have suspicions this is utilizing some new kind of um hyperspeed mechanical arm tech that is going out there um tom you might have seen this on some red carpet videos that are going around where it's like this hyper fast zoom Interesting. Um, okay. I don't also, do, not the red carpet. Stuff, no, no, not he's that. not paying it. That, I don't know. Maybe it came across. Him, but but. that's very interesting. How, yeah. does, if it works in film, that's great. The funny thing is we, we're dealing with the same cinematographer as Creed 2. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And that's why I, I don't think it's it's revolutionary in the in the camera tech itself. I think it's just the approach. And again, just a suspicion that it's utilizing that mechanical arm. There was also another, um, when this technology was just coming out, that this mechanical arm was used in one of the John Wicks for sword fights mm. uh, because it kind of, it, I mean, it can, it's it's hyper speed right. that it can whip around. Either way, I was in love with some of these shots. It created an extra level of excitement that, in addition to me paying attention to the stakes, I was very excited to see how are we going to see this fight portrayed in the ring. I was I was actually, you know, uh, looking forward to each fight as they were coming up in the story, which I think, again, <laughs> it sounds easy. Sounds no, like, but you it's, know, it's yeah. it's not. It's, it's not It's at not all. a given, yeah. yeah. So. And the fact that we're breaking through on the third film, I think, is kind of impressive. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Most of all, Jonathan Majors does a great job as the antagonist here. You know, it really occurred to me when I was thinking back to the Rocky movies, and again, maybe I should have watched them all, honestly. Maybe 
maybe I should have just <laughs> maybe I should have just you know killed myself and watched all of the, all the Rockies. When you summarize those films, it's just like oh, that's when he fights Drago, or that's when he fights Mister T. Sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, yep. the two Creed movies were missing that. We're missing that electricity. Finally, Jonathan Majors brings that back. It takes us a while to see why he is dangerous, but his first real fight is sells a great villain and easily my favorite role I have seen him in so far. And we just saw him too. <laughs> right. That's right. Kane the Conqueror. That's Kane, yeah. yeah. I kid you not, I was getting some almost Cape Fear vibes from this on how menacing his character is and how it unfolds, mm-hmm. uh, how much he's up to speed on, on Creed and his life and whatnot. Uh, very cool. And we finally get that villain that defines the movie like we've had in the entire Rocky series, uh, but not present in either of the Creed movies. Uh, and that leads me to my, my my question I was asking the whole time. Where the hell was this with Kang? Where was this yeah, menacing? Yeah. <laughs> you know, Where was this mastermind? But uh, we'll see. We'll see. He's got some more runway. He's the got almost infinite runway Kane, for this. Kane the Conqueror would have been a great boxer name, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. like it would have been solid. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I think Dame is a solid character, though, a reckless ghost from his past that hits Creed exactly where I critiqued him in the first film. I personally love how Creed's privilege and opportunities are examined in the film and countered by making his adversary, not necessarily Dame, Mm -hmm. his adversary for most of the film is... A self-doubt, kind of questioning whether he belongs where he stands now. And I thought that was just such a a better way to craft a villain rather than be like, oh, you remember your dad? Right. You remember what they did to your dad? <laughs> you know, it's it's, oh, it's so much more true to Adonis Creed as, yeah. a, as his own character, as his own franchise, you know? I'll say this, the final fight is almost amazing. Uh, I, like, I really love this. Some very unique fight choreography here. Uh, and surprised at the presentation of the fight as well. This is where I, I put in the notes in full bloom. You know, much like when we touched on in full bloom, this had a new voice to bring to filming a boxing match. And if you go back to my review, uh, I mean, oh man, how many episodes was that? That was, that was, a while. That was an early app. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like maybe 20s or something like that. Yeah, yeah or before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But But uh, my praise was very similar. It was just bring something new. It doesn't even have to be great. Just bring something new. Sure. Um, In an endless landscape of, you know, of how boxing is and boxing in real life as well. I will end with a little bit of my hot take. Uh, Rocky not appearing in this was the best thing to happen to this film. You know, I, I like Stallone just fine. Folks, I will not bore you with my Sly Stallone impression. I I won't try it. But Creed needed to be on the top with no father figure if his adversary was going to try to take the crown. There couldn't be another thing above Creed if he's going to be the top. And, you know... Like it or not, Rocky really was over Creed. Uh, he had, you know, a legend in his corner, a legend that stood above yeah, the legend. Too much of way too much of a presence. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So having that separated is important for the adversary working in Jonathan Majors and 
again, I can't stress enough, the whole thing working for Creed and his own franchise. On paper, this concept isn't too different than Creed 2, with a ghost from his past coming back to haunt him, but in execution could not have been more different, because it's not Apollo's fight, it's not Rocky's fight, it's Creed's fight, defining why Adonis is the new legend. We're going to go ahead and give Creed 3 a well-deserved 77. Okay, 77, very good. Yeah, a solid movie. I, I was definitely a, surprised at that. Oh yeah, and a healthy surprise, like a good oh, surprise. I'm very happy to have it. Because... Did you see this in a good theater? Yeah, yeah, good. Good. <laughs> Y'all checking on which theater? <laughs> you see his IMAX? You see his Dolby? No, yeah, you know, that's right. You're always in the Dolby. I'm a Dolby guy. <laughs> that's great to hear, though. Um, I think I we have some very much reoccurring characters in these three films. We have Tessa yep. Thomas as kind of her his love interest. Yep. Wood Harris is constantly in as as Tony Little Duke Burton. Yep. His mom, Marianne Creed. Are we getting good side performances here? Uh, Are we getting absolutely. supporting characters? Uh, and, and actually, I'll give I'll give a little bit of shout out just how uh, my praise of Michael B. Jordan's star power across the board of all these all these three films were good. Uh-huh. Uh, Tessa Thompson was 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 really good as well. She plays an interesting character that has. Her own trials a little bit with um, with uh, with going partially deaf. Oh, interesting. Uh, which is okay. Kind of, at first, I was like, "What is this? What, why, 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 why do we need this?" Yeah, but yeah. It, it honestly is used in a good way, and um, it also can't be one hundred percent fights all the time. Bottom line, sure. There's got to be something. There's got to be a little bit of drama at home, basically. Okay, so. very good. All right, so folks, seventy-seven on Creed three. Do not sleep on it. Do not be a sleep. great theater watch. It's it's doing pretty well in the theaters, which is great. Yeah, I'm really happy to see that March now. We're starting to kick off in some in some movies, and things are starting to do well. Yeah, I feel like this is looking better than last year as far as you know ticket sales and people going to the theaters and enjoying having that cinema experience again. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it's a good sign as well. All right, Finn. So, is there anything else you'd like to add here? We're gonna roll credits. I, I had one observation one I wanted to sure, roll. Sure, go for you. it. So there was an announcement of uh, Jake Gyllenhaal starring in a Roadhouse remake. Roadhouse is an old film yeah. from the 80s with, yeah. uh, with Patrick Swayze. In addition to kind of some interesting guerrilla marketing with that, he like came out to like an MMA weigh-in, like an actual fighter. So yes, Jake Gyllenhaal. Yes. Yeah, yes. he's definitely in the news this week about that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and pretty ripped, pretty jacked. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so good on him. That's not what I'm curious about, though. What I'm curious is that what ripple effect will we have from Top Gun Maverick? Are we about to see a tidal wave of 80s remakes? It's like Interstellar, uh, like when they're on the water planet and they're like, oh, those are mountains, but it's actually a wave. Are we seeing the wow. <laughs> Are we wow. seeing the 80s wave come at us? <laughs> I thought you were going to say something different with Interstellar, which I, but I, okay. Are we going to see the I, – I love the thought yeah. there. I love the thought. Are we going to get some of these – like what else can you think of though when the 80s was lackluster? I don't Let's know. Let's be honest. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. But there's got to be pl- – well, I'll tell you this. There's got to be plenty because one thing I would never think that they would retouch again is Roadhouse. Right. Exactly. And oh my god. What the big, the big question that is in the hat that we're going to have to pull out is – what kind of performance is Jake Gyllenhaal? <laughs> oh yes, yeah, so you know the, what I mean. I don't think we're we gonna get ambulance, get ambulance, <laughs> Jake Gyllenhaal, or are we gonna get like prisoners oh, and right, good Gyllenhaal. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that that's a very good. That's question. a big question. I know. Very, he's, he's, I, he's such a weird actor. He's all over the. Map. He's all over the. He's yeah. all over the place. But I, I love the question. I think if we get one more. <laughs> we'll see. There's there's things in the water that you've seen before that didn't turn into big waves. Uh, very true. The big thing was religious movies. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think if Noah was a hit, we would have seen that continue. Sure. I think that's We had Noah, we had a Christian Bale one that yep. was like $100 million budget, totally flopped. Yep, yep. Um, that came and went. 
One thing that was successful was the every year big sci-fi film, mm. which seemed to mm-hmm. have dropped off the map. But yep. that might have yep. been kicked off with Gravity. Interstellar was in there. Yep. The Martian was in there. Arrival. Arrival. Mm-hmm. We had this like every year we had our space yep. thing. Jake Gyllenhaal was in Life. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. The ripoff of Alien. <laughs> I love this thought, right? I think it's something that we all need to keep our eye on, though. Yeah, and and I mean, uh, it just it's. <sighs> Uh, something making that much of an impact and having that much talk does not – in no way are our producers not paying attention to that and saying, oh, we got to follow the money. You know what I mean? It's just they, – they're going to follow the, the trend basically. Yeah. So. I mean it's, yeah, because Maverick was just that good. Yeah. So. Just that good. It'll be interesting. I don't know. It's fascinating what's good that what's going to happen in the movie industry in the next three years, I feel yeah, like. Yeah. I mean, my God, we have th- what we're going to have like three Batmans that we're going to be taking visuals oh, on. Oh, my God. I mean, the You're Batman so stuff right. is crazy. You're so right. As you just said, we're bringing up Transformers again. <laughs> so it's almost like, okay, give me, oh, sure, Roadhouse 2. It's fine. Right, right. You know, yeah. it won't be Thor 5 or 6 or whatever, which we don't need ever. <laughs> we'll just get the, the, the remakes. I mean, I see, actually, on the thinking of what else may come from this, I would say, you know, a remake of Die Hard is is, is ripe for this, especially before maybe uh, Bruce Willis goes too far gone, you know. Well, he won't uh, with, be in it. He is too far gone. Oh, really? Well, he, they just came out and said he's he's full-blown, I think, diagnosed with dementia now. Oh, yeah, it sucks. Sad, that's it sad. sucks. Yeah. Um, maybe an homage film. Yeah. It would be tough to do. Well, though. similar to like like you said with Iceman and, and Top Gun, maybe maybe they could do something like that. Final goodbye. But we'll see. Hey, write in if you have any good eighties that that we can't think of. <laughs> Absolutely. You know what I mean? That's that would a great be great. Prompt. Absolutely. Uh, and also, folks, next week I'm going to be giving Vin <laughs> oh, my birthday movies. <laughs> So birthday's in early April, so we'll have a few weeks if he wants to watch them yep. or anything like that. But he gets uh, my time, my <laughs> chance. He's, he's I'm taking gonna, the I'm, I'm going to give four. We have a new release that week, so I'm going to give Vin four films. Yep. He needs to watch them. The power is, trust me, getting to my head. Um, <laughs> but I will say I will watch them with you, and I will give them Tommy Two Shoes as well. That's maybe we do the five. Uh, I mean, maybe maybe we just go for the full. I want to give you the full five. You know. Okay, I'll give you my four. We'll do the okay. definite four, and then okay, yeah. and then maybe I'll give you I'll give you two, and you get yep. to choose one. Yeah, and then that'll be a six bag or yeah. something like that for the yeah. week. We'll do new release, and you get to choose out of one of those yeah. two. Yeah, like because honestly, late April's looking a little light. We can kind of push it down the road, get to it. Well, we'll see. The thing is, we see Super Mario. We know comes mm, out. Yeah, I mean, that, it, that it is it would, the one that would is kind of be important. Yeah. to get the Super Mario I Chris guess. Pratt review in there. <laughs> But regardless, I'll, I'll reveal that next week yep. for everybody and for Vin with fresh ears. He, he won't, I, he won't I know what wait. I picked. Genuine surprise. <laughs> Do I be mean? Do I not? You know no, what I mean? Right, right. This Do is I just torturous. make my own special on my own? You know. <laughs> anyway, folks, thank you so much for listening. Vin, thank you for watching all these films. We will see everyone next week on the Daily Ratings Podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, if you would, could you give us a good rating or tell a friend about us? If you're wondering if a film is worth a watch, or if you'd just like to see more movie ratings for Vince, be sure to stop by thedailyratings.com, where we have our ever-expanding catalog of films. Also, if you found value in the podcast or our site, become a producer and go to the Donations tab on thedailyratings.com. You can donate whatever amount of value you feel you received from us. We're looking to build this into something large and great, folks, but also be independent from those corporate sponsors. So we greatly appreciate any support from you all. So thanks so much, and we'll see you next time on the Daily Ratings Podcast.